Welcome back, everybody, to the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony. Thank you for tuning in and downloading this episode. For this episode, we are very happy to welcome back to the cave via Zoom chat, the host of YouTube's Near Mint Condition, the uncanny Omar himself. Omar, welcome back to the show. Thank you for doing this again. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. What's uh, what's new and exciting for you? I know you got uh, YouTube videos that you're putting up for us every day. Uh, what's the latest that you've been up to right now? Uh, I'm working with a couple of my viewers to put together a shared document where people can go and vote for the most wanted Marvel reprints. And we got it down. And it's interesting because it's an everyday thing. One book goes out of print. And I have to triple check that it's still out of print and it's out of print in the direct market and the book market. So it's boring uh, to a lot of people, but I find it kind of fascinating to try to see if these books are truly out of print. And then that way we can get that list together, send it over to Marvel. And yeah, it worked out great last year. All those books have been reprinted. So everything, everything that you do in regards to the Marvel collections and omnibus and all that kind of stuff you're not doing it for Marvel in the sense that they're paying nope. you to do it. You're just sending like, hey, heads up. This is what we want. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I don't get, no, nope. Unless it's this, unless I say in the video, this video is sponsored by Marvel Comics, I do not get paid for any of it. That's, that is mainly my way of, you know, showing people out there that there's this huge company that listens to their customers. And it's amazing. You know, it, I never thought a big company like that would be like, yeah, I mean, we got, we voted last year and those books are being reprinted. That's crazy. And I never thought I would be the ones in the middle and playing the middleman role. Yeah. How does that feel? How does that feel to, to have suddenly um, gone from, you know, do like, even for me, you do something for a hobby out of the love of it as a fan. And then you find yourself in the middle of like this, this very cool relationship between the fans, you're a fan yourself, and then this company that we all uh, give our business to because we love the stuff that they create. Like, what? How's this experience for you right now? Uh, it, well, it's been oh my goodness, it's almost two years since it started, and it's still surreal. Like I, I was telling my wife about it, like. Okay, sometimes, and she's wonderful about reminding me, uh, I have to step back and, and, and say, what would 13-year-old Omar say mm-hmm. if he were to, like, to see a stack of books come in from Marvel that I have to do reviews of, and then talking to the vice president of sales and marketing at Marvel about what uh, you know possible reprints we could get or what new Omni lines we could get or Epic lines, uh, giving him... The, I, I, like my thirteen-year-old Omar's brain would blow up and be like, "How did, how did you do this? <laughs> Who did you lie to?" You know, it's just—it's it, surreal. It's still crazy, and I'm very humbled by it all because it's—it's been an amazing ride. That's for sure. I did. This is not what was intended at all. It was just me making videos for the love of making videos, and I still do. Like yeah. my channel, you know. Uh, I still do hidden gems. I still talk about DC books. My DC contact is. Sometimes, like once every couple months, they'll email me back with a, yay, thank you. <laughs> Nothing like the connection I have at Marvel. Um, 
but I mean, but I still make videos because it's talking about things that I love, uh, talking about stories that I enjoy that I want to share with other people, or uh, or in, even independent companies, small companies. I love doing one of my favorite things that I love to do now that I have, uh, or what I like to think that I have a little bit of a voice out there and enough of a following to introduce people to these wonderful creators that are trying to make something for themselves. So a lot of Kickstarters. Like, it's one thing I like to do is uh, bring to people's attention. Like, hey, this Kickstarter is going on right now. Uh, so that's one of my goals is actually to have more of those people probably come on my show, smaller companies. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. But I do it all for the love of comics. You know, that's, what, that's what it was about for me. What are, what are some of the Kickstarters that uh, you've backed and that you really enjoy? Because a, a lot of the guests that I have on the show, such as uh, Sam Noir and Shane Heron, they've got, you know, Cauldron, uh, a Kickstarter, an anthology magazine that's incredible. And um, one of our local, we got a lot of great local talent here. It's so cool. Another guy, Sean Daly, who's put out uh, another Kickstarter that was really successful. For you, what are some of the ones that have blown you away or that you've been really happy about backing? See, here's the thing, like, the Kickstarter game and Indiegogo game has changed so much recently mm -hmm. because bigger companies like Boom have noticed, wait, we can actually fund these books through Kickstarter and Indiegogo instead of saying, hey, we're coming out with this Power Rangers box set. Right. So now it makes, now it, makes it really difficult for the smaller people to be like, oh, well, that's going to, people are going to have a hard time fighting my things. Um but I've kickstarted a lot of European books that have been uh, translated into English. I just got uh, uh, Brigada Volume 3, which is a Spanish book, but they did the English translation. Magnetic Press has been doing some, too. They did Maddie. Um, they had the, was it the Astra Pan for a while? They had a Kickstarter of that. They have another one. Um, I've kickstarted a lot of, sadly, unfunded projects too or, or projects that never came to light which are like the Osama Tezuka collections uh, from DMP not just DMP but there was a couple of other independent people that were doing it um, by themselves but my favorite Kickstarter has to be because I was completely blown away by just this product and I cannot believe that this was I'm looking at my box set now uh, that this was not released publicly is the scurry by Max Smith. That thing is beautiful. It's three books and he wants to continue it. But the, um, I did that. That's actually one of my earliest ones. I did a video on it about two years ago, the first maybe volume one or two, I can't remember. And, you know, people like started going to him like, Hey, do you have any more of these books? I saw a video on it. And then when the third one came out, I had kickstarted it because I loved it so much. Uh, he he was kind enough to send me a, a set and for a giveaway that we were doing. And they're beautiful books. It's probably my favorite one that I found on there. Because there's a lot of great artists yeah. that put out their stuff. Yeah, it's been really interesting this year because of the lack of uh, cons and being able to get together at shops yeah. and things like that for a lot of these upstart creators who have great ideas uh, people are looking at Kickstarter now as, as a way to get behind some of these really and, – and a lot of big-name creators too are doing really great Kickstarters. So it's a whole new market for people to go to, fans to go to, to find new content, new talent or even some classic legendary talent. It's, it's changed so much just because of 
the pandemic, which it's the few like the silver linings of what comes out of, uh, you know, uh, something like this past year where it's been so difficult. There's always something good that came out of it. And I like the Kickstarter is one of those things that's exciting to see that that happened. Yeah, and I'm glad that it's happening, but it's got to be so frustrating because you can't put yourself out there. You're, there is no, you said it, there's no artist alley, right? So how do you get your name out there? Especially if this is your first comic book. Yeah. Like if, if you and your buddy or you and your uh, team are trying to put together a book, you've got it already, but you need to fund it for like a collection or something, like physical copies of it. How do you do it without going to a convention without doing a tour right right i think that's that's why they're reaching out to podcasters they're reaching out to youtubers uh to help out so i've um so yeah it's, it's one of my favorite things like well, when people reach out to me i'm like absolutely send, send me what you have i'll be happy to to help you out because you know to me it's just paying it forward that i'm not gonna hold anybody back from doing what they love doing you know it's, it's cool if and if and if i can play in any uh, a role in any kind of way to help them kickstart eh, never thought about the name uh their career (laughs) (laughs) and i'm uh i i will be more than happy to yeah yeah that's i think that's the most rewarding thing when you engage in something like this that that makes you cross cross paths with people that you would have never imagined yourself crossing paths with them is that you you can pay it forward or you have a little bit to do with you know, them becoming or doing that thing that they love, even if they're not world known, it becomes something that they pay their bills with. And you were there with them from, you know, the ground floor to say, I believe you can do it. I may not, I may not love your work necessarily, but, but because you want to do it, let's do this together. I'll help you out. Here's a little push. Very cool. I, I think so too. And every little bit helps. And there's plenty of people that are out there and that's the thing right like there are plenty of people out there that want to see new things from new creators that i'm not going to say necessarily burned out on superhero books because come on i mean nobody really is i still come back to this stuff too uh but you know you want to break from things and you want to find the new rising star you want to you want to fund a project that you like oh man i really like the premise of the story i want to know where it goes and it's finding the two people and connecting them you're almost like a matchmaker like cupid like yeah. a dork Dork Cupid, <laughs> a, a fanboy Cupid, fan person Cupid. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's uh, it's so cool. Even when when you're able to, or or for myself, when people have recommended books to me, and mm-hmm. that feeling that you get from that change is like, man, I'll always remember who recommended that to me because it changed yes. how I read. And then when you can do that as well, it's the uh, it's this great little circle that you have where everyone's experiences there, there's something special happening because of the comic community. It's, it's the best pay it forward type of moment. Um, with some of the, the new additions that you've announced, reprints or things that are coming out, what's exciting you the most? Which one got you like, Oh man, they did it. Uh, something that I get to announce later this month. Oh, Okay. It's pro. It's probably the. Um, it. it uh, yeah. Yeah. Later this month. As far as like other books that in the past that I've announced, the ones that I mean, uh, announcing being the first person outside of Marvel to get to announce Uncanny X Men Omnibus Volume Four was like a dream come true, and that 
that experience was amazing because I, I can't, I think that was back when Marvel wanted me to do like 10 or 15 book announcements at one time. And I don't know, whatever the video was called, it was like 15 new Marvel Omnis coming out in 2020. And I, I named 14 of them and then I started doing my goodbye segment and I'm like, Oh wait, thank you for sticking by or something that surprised people with Uncanny <laughs> X-Men volume four. And I remember like people in the comment section just going crazy. They're like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I stuck to the end. And then people later on, I see it being shared and stuff like the list later on a couple days later. And people are like, wait, he didn't announce Uncanny four. And then people are like, ah, oh, somebody didn't stay till the end. <laughs> You, I love uh, that. I love that. <laughs> Marvel credit, post credit them with the big one. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't even mean to. I was just doing it on the fly. It was so fun. That's that's probably one of my favorite ones. Getting to announce so many of these reprints, man, it, it's so fun. Uh, because I go back to, you know, that feeling that it gave me to look at these, uh, you know, having a crappy day at work, uh not wanting to be there to begin with and then looking at a list of books that are coming out or the solicitations coming out and I see something that I wanted collected in a in an omnibus or an epic collection I'm like oh yes this is so awesome and to bring that feeling to people it's it's so great it's not about to me it's not about like ooh look at me I get the first breaking news it's not that it's more like I get to share this with people and I know what it means to a lot of people because that's the way that it makes me feel like having um, having this announced to me. So it's really cool. I I, uh, I get a lot of those kind of messages and they're really sweet. Like like um, like people are in tears when hmm. I talk about um, what was it Ultimate Spider Man. Like I have no um, me. I you know Ultimate Spider Man is just a book that was there. It was okay, but there's such a huge fan following for it. And those kids that grew up reading Ultimate Spider-Man are now, you know, in their 30s, probably older or late 20s. And they want to relive reading Ultimate Spider-Man. And when I announced the reprint of it and, you know, pretty much telling people, hey, if this sells, we're probably going to get a volume two, but it's up to you all. I mean, people were, yeah, messaging me like, you have no idea. I was crying on the way home. This is amazing. Like, this is the book I got me into comics. So I think that's really cool, man. That, that's, that, that means a lot to me because I understand that feeling. Or people that email me about, uh, you know, how horrible their week has been and, or how depressed they are and this gives them hope, things like that. I think that's really cool. It's weird to, to – if anyone's listening to this – and thinking like, man, you guys are so weird for finding hope in solicitations. But it's it's something we all understand. Because our connection to a lot of these stories and these characters and these, whether it's a collection of an epic collection, so it's like our, our childhood perhaps being collected, or something that got us through a tough time all in one place. There's It's true. When you know in May this book is coming out. And I've been waiting since I saw it in, in, in a catalog. I, I saw it coming and I've been waiting for it for five years for it to come. And now it's yeah. here. And, it, and it's kind of, it happens every week in a way. Every week there's that new thing that you waited for for so long. So you're always looking forward to something. Yeah. And my, you know, I've met a lot of people in my life that suffer from depression. So my thing is like, you know, whatever keeps you going, 
Exactly. You keep on going. Exactly. I don't care. I am nobody to crap on whatever keeps you growing. You 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 wanna you get excited over that. If that gives you hope and you're like, I got I gotta make it all the way to December to get that ultimate spider man, then more power to you. You may get all the way through December and we'll we'll do this together because I think, you know, that's wonderful. And if that's what's giving you hope, then you stick with that. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I, I've gotten messages like that and it and it and it hits me, you know. Because that's what it's about. It's like, it's not about, <laughs> to me, like, oh, I, I don't know. My, the, the way that my channel has changed in the last couple of years, it's become, how, how in the world do I put it? Uh, it's, it's more of me now, who I really am, and less of a show. Because I tried different out, like, different ways of doing my channel in the past. Um, mm-hmm. But in the last, I would say in the last two years, probably a little longer, almost three years now. It, it's more of me than it's ever been. And that's what's working. Not, not the, not the channel that, you know, I would take suggestions from a bunch of people do this, do this, or, or see other channels do. It's probably the worst thing you can do whenever you're trying to make your own brand and do your own thing. Um, compare yourself to others and stuff. But yeah, it, it's it's a lot different. So it's about positivity now and, and, and staying positive and helping each other out, the community out. And it's been great. Yeah, it's I think been, I think the great. authenticity comes through. I don't think your your channel isn't a channel of um, showing off your wares, if you will. It's something yeah. you you feel when you talk about a book, I believe that you read it. And when you talk about something having not read it for a long time or if it's just like a here's an overview of the package, you know mm-hmm. you can see the difference and there's an authenticity to that that uh, makes it makes it a little more reliable because like for someone like me, uh, when I'm going to make a big purchase like this, I buy just about everything but I like having that, that voice of here's what you can expect. Here's what comes in it, like a nice overview, not these five-minute videos of somebody you can, it's just, there's just something to it that you feel like it's a safe choice. Like, I, I bought the uh, Legion of Superheroes five years later, watching your review, because I was always on the oh, fence about it. And I was like, <laughs> thank you. nobody is honest about, there's no videos really about it, and nobody is honest no, about the reading experience. It's an obscure time of Legion, and I'm very surprised they stuck to it, and it's confusing at first, but if you stick with it, I think the payoff is really cool, or at least I thought it was. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that. That takes me back to, uh, I was I, I told this story, uh, I think on my channel a couple of weeks ago, about the very first video that, because my channel first started as a group of friends getting together and talking about just geeky different subjects. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have an idea of what we wanted to do. I wanted to branch out and start talking about things that I really love, which is the collected editions. It's the things that I know. It's the things that I've been doing for such a long time. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a small, you know, there's a, it's all about finding that little niche in YouTube. Um, Cause people will come looking. And my first video I did, I can't remember what it was. It was a video on a book and it was probably like 10 minutes long. And one of the comments that stuck with me was this guy said that I talked way too much to, to just get to the point. So I, you know, and it didn't get that many views. It only got like, I don't know, 132 after a day. And, and I, and I, I thought about it. I was like, well, I'm, 
maybe I need to rethink this. And this is during the time when I was thinking about like how to, how to build the channel, how to make it better. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to delete it. Maybe this guy's right. Maybe I do talk too much. And then I, um, about a month later, I was like, you know what? I don't really care what people say about me. You can't. I'm way, I'm way too old. And yeah. I, I have never, ever cared what people think about me. So what's to stop me now? And I released a video. Dude, I can't. I think it was the Peanuts collection overview. And I haven't shut up since. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, um, on my channel. So it means a lot when people reach out to me and tell me, uh, things like that. Like I, I bought this because of your passion for this particular story. Now it's funny because whenever I do overviews of books, I try to stay neutral because I like to like let the people watching decide if they want to get this book or not, whether I hate the story or not, or whether I love it, it doesn't matter. I just right. bring you to the product. I tell you the, you know, pretty much some of the, some of the behind the scenes stories sometimes or the build of the book, uh, very difficult for me to do that sometimes with some particular stories though because i love these things so much and i'm like yeah, i think people can tell in the tone of my books <laughs> in the tone of my voice i'm sorry um when i really enjoy something and when i give you a 10 minute video of just a break <laughs> of like this is this and this came out in this year pretty cool huh okay. let's look at let's what? look at the extras in the back what what's been what's been one of those books for you? Would you would you be so bold as to say? Like, oh yeah, I don't. Uh, okay. People know how I feel about Brian Michael Bendis' uh, stories, and I'm okay. Okay. sure going through going through an overview. But I try to stay positive, even in the overviews of things that I didn't enjoy. Like people love Daredevil, and who am I to crap on their taste in books? Like that's yeah, you, know, you love Daredevil. That's awesome. That I mean, this is somebody's first tasting daredevil this is like this is their definitive daredevil title so in my overview i i was yeah i broke down like just this has been this is a story this follows up right after kevin smith's run um and david mack uses a character from david mack's run echo just giving you the it's not really like oh my gosh look at alex malib's artwork yeah it's yeah amazing. And, I, and i like alex malib yeah um and, and it's not that I hate Daredevil. I just, it's not something that, to me, I, like, I enjoyed Frank Miller's Daredevil. That's my Daredevil. Um, I love uh, Ed Brubaker's Daredevil, which is a follow-up to Bendis' Daredevil. But, um, yeah, that's that's one. There's, there's, a, there's a couple out there like that. Some of the Golden Age books. <laughs> I try to find the beauty in. The gold, Golden <laughs> Age, especially DC, I feel like I... I think the only reason I would ever want to own this is to say that I own it. Not I. That's how I would feel about it, and for I, the history of it. Yeah, and I think that's what I try to do. Um, so about when I think about six years ago, I got rid of all my Golden Age stuff. No, four years ago, I got rid of my Golden Age stuff. My Golden Age uh, omnibus uh, from DC. A bunch of my Marvel stuff. Some some of the early. Uh, stuff that I rebought, but it was, it was, I was just like that. I was like, well, I want to know, you know, I don't want to read a Wikipedia entry to tell me where Superman first fought Lex Luthor. Yeah. I want to find out for myself. Yeah. Ugh, man, it was rough. Um, <laughs> I had to push, <laughs> I had to push myself through now. The Wikipedia page was more appealing after a while. <laughs> it, was like it was looking pretty good after that, man. But yeah. 
but there are people that love it and that's yeah. awesome you know as long as you're reading and uh and obviously people love it they're continuing that that they are so dedicated to the golden age series of omnibus collections that it makes everything else at dc look like just crap because they're like nope we're releasing volumes one two three four five six and seven um even if it gets canceled whether it's Golden Age or Silver Age, even Bronze Age books, they've come back. I think the only one that has not come back out of cancellation is Aquaman, if I'm not mistaken. Aquaman is just gone. They Apparently, they don't like Aquaman. So, But everything else has come back into the catalog, and I'm assuming will keep coming back. Yeah, it always seems that it isn't hard to find a DC Golden Age ever out of print or ever out of... At a point, it's like it's it's hard to find. Like no, no, they're there. They're always there. It's like it's like another evergreen for them. But it's a strange choice because for me, anyways, in my opinion, because it it doesn't have that same resonance the way the Marvel universe does, where they were they were almost like newspaper stories that you could they, they were almost yeah. disposable. And, and they are different. Right. Like Golden Age, even though I don't really appreciate Golden Age, uh, Marvel comics. Or I, I don't. I'm not really into them. They are a different tone than the DC books. The DC books are. I, I don't know. They were, they were just doing their own thing. And I've tried them all. I tried Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman. Um, I was hoping I got into some Silver Age, and I think I take Golden Age over Silver Age Batman for me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've heard the Legion of Superheroes reads really good though, and I haven't read that, so I may give that a try. I think about that sometimes, like um, because to me, like I I make a statement on my channel that my DC really begins with Crisis on Infinite Earths. Mm -hmm. But there's some stuff that I am into that happened before Crisis, like New Teen Titans or Commandi or or Fourth World. Jack Kirby, you know, because Jack Kirby was doing his own thing. Like Jack Kirby didn't care what was going on in Superman when he was writing Mister Miracle, but. Um, so some, some of them, you know, they, they get a pass, but holy moly, man, I, I, I regretted selling my bronze age, uh, justice league volume one. And, uh, cause I, I used to have that and they announced volume three and I'm like, well, maybe I should find it again. I remember making a comment like that in one of my videos and then somebody, <laughs> one of my viewers said, no, don't, there was a reason why you sold it. Those first <laughs> Those issues were not that great. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's all. I just needed a little affirmation. That's all I needed. Say, okay, good, good, good. Almost went. And, and then now they're out of print. Volume, I think volume one is out of print. And I couldn't find it if I wanted to. Now, the one that I probably will end up getting is the Detroit era Justice League. Because it happens before Crisis. But it's still that, that era that kind of leads into, or sort of leads into the JLI. Right. Right, right. I, I get what you mean. It it has that sort of you you see where the roots of JLI could come from. Beforehand. Yeah, with the with with the artwork and things like that. Yeah. Right. Um, you said before we were talking about how uh, something like Ultimate Spider Man brings people that hopefulness that you know they they had when they were young again. For you, <laughs> when you're when you're down and out, when you're down in the dumps, and you need that pick me up book. Is there a character or a particular series that is your go-to and say, screw it, I'm, I'm dropping that other thing I was reading, and like for me, it's Spider-Man. If it's, if it's really bad times, I'm going to bring a Spider-Man book, and I know that it'll, I'll, I'll be happier for it. What is it for you? 
Well, there's a lot. Um, I actually did a video about three or four years ago about uh, books that cheer me up. It was after, I think it was after I lost my dog. Oh. I, was, I, I did a video. That, yeah, and it's rough. And I like a lot of books that give me hope. Uh, JSA gives me a lot of hope. And then uh, Green Lantern, Rebirth. I really like that. Yeah. Green Lantern, Rebirth. Is a lot of Jeff Johns has written that with that, uh, like that, about, you know, not giving up and having the will to keep going. You know, that's why I really enjoy his writing. Um, I really enjoyed the Wolverine uh, miniseries by, with uh, Frank Miller and Chris Claremont. It's another one that I think picks me up. Yeah, those are those are good picks. The uh, you're right about Jeff Johns. For me too, I I've said this before, and, and maybe maybe some people feel about Jeff Johns the way you were expressing. Like you're not a big on Brian Michael Bendis. I always kind of compare them yeah. because of that time where they were both leading the way. Opposite. Yeah, on yeah. opposite ends, and, and and you know re rediscovering all of these different teams and and characters all over again, but. I feel like Jeff Johns, when it comes to superheroes, it's it's very hard to top him. It seems like he's he's really cracked the code on on digging into a good old fashioned superhero story. Might not always be the best of the year, but it'll it'll usually be a crowd pleaser. Uh, yeah, I I <laughs> I think when I read a bad Jeff Johns story. And I can only think of one that I'm like, I don't know where he was going with this. And I'm not sure I liked it. Was the three Jokers? Maybe a little bit of Doomsday Clock. But it just surprises me because I'm so used to... There's a certain level of... Um, okay. Like, when Chris Claremont came back to the X-Men in X-Men Revolution, I expected a certain level of excellence I'm like, Chris Claremont's back. This is going to be the best thing ever. Hmm. Nostalgia curtains, you know, play a, a big a big deal with that. And you're like, oh, this is still great. Even though people are arguing like, no, this is not that good. Like, Claremont's X-Men is not as good as you thought it was. Or it's not as good as it once was. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, it's Claremont and it's, it, it's he's back doing revolutions. This is phenomenal. Uh, and I feel like that when I was reading the uh, Batman three jokers like where's Jeff Johns this is not the same Jeff Johns that I remember it felt weird thinking that because I expected this level of excellence from Jeff Johns that I've been getting all for over a decade almost two decades and it wasn't there so it kind of surprised me but I think everybody every writer has that then whether it's a Morrison or Alan Moore or Brian K. Vaughn, every writer has a story that, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, that wasn't that good, or you particularly didn't like. Yeah, you're not going to, no one's going to bat a thousand. I mean, these right. are, are stories, and, and the, even depending on, like, the character that they tackle, you know, it, nobody will ever top your particular version or era of that character, and when someone tries to, it's just insulting. But for someone else that, you know, it's elevated to them. It's like, finally, we get we get the character, you know, being the way we want him to be. It's like Jason Aaron Thor, Walt Simonson Thor. Very different, but 
both spectacular and necessary, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. That is an omnibus that I look forward to coming out. I I look forward (laughs) to you announcing that one because that's one of those runs where every every type of collection of it would be worthy for a shelf. Yeah, he he knocked it out of the park. Uh, I was surprised that... Which one would you prefer, his or Walt Simonson's run? Ooh, why would you ask? I know. Me that? I, well, a, that, that, oh gosh, that, dude, that's why it's a good question. <laughs> okay. Well, I gotta go with my childhood. I gotta go yeah. with uh, Simonson. Yeah, because Simon, Simonson did Bittery Bill. Yeah, I know Jane Foster Thor is cool, and and so is War Thor. He's awesome too. But, but Bittery Bill. Oh my gosh, when he was like smashing through that freaking um, yeah. cover. Yeah. Simonson, dude. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like he I feel like Simonson was was meant to to do the definitive Thor. It's kinda like Miller with Daredevil. There's just certain guys, it's like it it was waiting for you, even though all of this, you know, Rainbow Bridge has been laid by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and, and John Buscema and all these wonderful talents. When you got there, it's like you captured all of it in this, this yeah. pocket of, of five years. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I said, it is Aaron's phenomenal. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. The whole, and, he, and the thing about Aaron is that he took that same formula and used it on Conan almost when he did the Conan story. Which, you know how he introduces, like, without spoiling anything for anybody, but the, he introduces the concept of, like, three different Thors. So we have Thor from his youth, we have yes. Thor, who's now Thor, our Thor, and mm. then we have maybe King Thor, old Thor, with right. some uh, grandkids of his own in, in the future. So, uh, he, he did that same kind of formula in Conan, and oh my gosh, but the way that that story wraps up in the pages of Thor is just phenomenal. And... I'm, I also cannot wait for that. And the big question for something like that that I love asking myself is, will that third omnibus include War of the Realms or do they expect people to buy War of the Realms? As a business, of course, I would be like, yeah, you go buy a War of the Realms omnibus <laughs> and all its tie-ins. But then I'm like, as a fan, I'm like, they really could put all they five issues of Lord of the Realms in the third omnibus because you don't need the tie-ins, but the tie-ins are fun. And if for completest sake, maybe. But then you get the I omnibus. Don't know. I, it's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy and mm-hmm. and the uh, War of Realms and and War of Kings and all of those. Like you could get this. Oh, well, that's three, right. They did that, yeah. right? Or you can buy these, the, like the Nova series on its own, which I I've got like triple dip into that whole thing now because of the, the, my complete, my completism thing that I've got. So yeah, I think, I think they could include war of the realms. You'd have to, why not? It ends the story, right? Yeah, I think so too. But what was weird is that they didn't include like secret wars in the Jonathan Hickman's Hickvengers volume two. But yeah. I think that's also because secret wars kind of ends that era of Marvel for Hickman, not just, Avengers, but also Fantastic Four and Secret Warriors and S.H.I.E.L.D. So maybe that's why they didn't. Whereas War of the Realms was a Thor story that was set up in the pages of, as early as God Bomb right. with the Nine Realms. And yeah, I can, I can see them doing it. And then keeping the omnibus for people that want everything. Kind of like what uh, DC is doing with uh, Flash by Jeff Johns Volume 3 and Flashpoint. There's a lot of double dipping there. 
Yeah, that I I had no interest in reading that second like the the that was the one thing of of Jeff Johns that I wasn't as crazy about was when he brings Barry Allen back because I I I thought his run on Wally was so good. Um oh, gosh, phenomenal, right? Yeah, and and it just it the first volume is a lot of fun mm-hmm. and and it's an easy read, but when you get into that second volume of the newly printed omnibus it's uh man it's just non-stop you're it's pedal to the metal and it just the stakes get higher and higher and the art just matches it it's so good and love the way you described it you're talking about the guy that can run really fast you're like pedal to the metal yeah (laughs) and and there's so it, it just takes such an interesting turn that like the tone and everything changes in such a way that is you feel it but it's also seamless like yeah this is where we were leading to but you didn't know at first when you're reading this run that it's going to become become like that. And I like Barry Allen, and I know that it, that he's kind of you know yeah, the but, but, the Hal Jordan of uh, the, the equivalent of the legacy when it comes to those characters. But man, I don't like what they well, did with Wally West. Well, Wally was my dude though. Like Wally growing up was my Flash. So Jeff Johns' Wally West run was perfection to me. Everything that he did, he made the Rogues as cool. As the rogue gallery for Batman and Spider Man, like he made me care about each one of those, about each of the characters, um, whether it's Captain Cold or Captain Boomerang Junior. Or Heatwave, all these things, Pied Piper, all these horrible things that happen to these characters and make them the way that they are. Yes, yes. That's what I. That's what I enjoy in in, in writing. Yes. I mean, I, I get tired about one dimensional characters or villains that show up. Yeah, you need them from time to time, but. You know, Jeff Johns took time. He took time to build those characters, and and to go from rogues to to the inedible like rogue war that was happening later. Oh my gosh, that was so awesome! And then the oh, dude, the Zoom story. Crazy. That guy was a maniac, and I don't want to spoil the twist and all that. But oh my gosh! And then what happens? To Wally and the decision that he makes. Right. That, that, that's oh, what I dude, mean. That, like the Zoom you, you story. You never stop. You never stop reading. You don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, you, you hit those, those points of uh, when, when the Zoom story occurs and then where his life picks up after that and how that all unfolds again. It's just like a page turner. And who's that guy in the shadow? Who's the what did they put in his pocket? What, 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 what happened here? What one hundred percent page turner? Yeah, like I remember the feeling of coming home from work uh, was like the feeling of coming home from school reading X Men. To me, coming home from work, running to my bedroom to get my trade my cruddy trade paperbacks of Flash, uh, but they were very out of print and very expensive at the time. Was the same kind of feeling that I got with coming home from school and reading Uncanny X Men, like my new issues that were in the mail. Like, oh, I love that feeling. And, it, and you know, and Flash, his, his first, I would say his first two arcs are a little bit slow to get into because he's kind of, you know, he's trying to work the gears. He's trying to figure out his own way of writing the character. But by the time you get into the third arc, it's, yeah, it's so good, man. It's so good. Yeah. I haven't gotten around to uh, doing a full read of Mark Wade's Flash. I know that a lot of people hold that one in just as high regard. It's kind of like which one's better, Jeff Johns or Mark Wade. But uh, there's, so good. there's definitely a lot of appreciation that has to be given to Mark Wade for 
the things that he put into the Flash mythology, just the Speed Force itself, everything that you could end up doing with that, I don't know if it's a trope or how you would describe it, but having that be what it is really opens the door to so much possibility that Jeff Johns benefited from. So you got to tip your hat to to Wade for the the spokes, I guess you could say, that he put into the wheel. I think I consider it, it's... Um, this is the way that I that I see them. I see like Mark Wade, even though he did not create the character of Flash or Wally West, but he did introduce a lot of things like the Speed Force uh, to the mythos of Flash. I see him kind of like Carl Barks, and then Jeff Johns is Don Rosa of the Duck World. Like Carl Barks created all this wonderful mythology of the Duck comics. And then Don Rosa took it and just did his own kind of spin on it and borrowed a lot of elements from it. And that, that's kind of the way I see the two. Yeah. And both of them had a phenomenal runs on with Wally. It wasn't it wasn't Barry Allen. So it was weird for Barry Allen, uh, what the Flash rebirth and all that. Yeah. And I do not like, you're right, what they ended up doing with Wally. Oh my gosh. They, it's like they try to get rid of that character and make you forget. And then yeah. Rebirth gave me some hope. Yeah. First, like, uh, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I, I understood that New Fifty Two was recharging and restarting some of these characters. Like f- some of them full restarts, and some of them was like a just a little universe tweak, not too much different. Like Gre- Green Lantern and Batman and things like that. But man, the Flash was. It, I enjoyed the run, the Francis Manipal stuff. It was beautiful art and and a pretty fun story, um, but. It's just like why? Why did you, you? There's so much that that people, the Flash is the Flash because of what that character was, and every time they they put him on TV or when they even with with the the way that they've kind of reinvented Barry, it always just feels like you've built off. This is built off of Wally's back, in a way. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. It's <laughs> we're those old men now. Give me my comics back. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, yeah. we only had, well, I don't know. I don't know what, what DC was thinking, and it's, you know, I get it about moving forward and all that, but it seems like all they like to do from time to time is backpedal. When something is working, they backpedal, and they're like, well, look, 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 let's go back. Let's go back to Crisis. People really liked when we killed Barry Allen. Let's bring him back. I'm not even sure who who asked for those kind of things, but... Yeah. Do you like anything that DC's doing right now? I'm not keeping up with a lot of modern like stuff weekly. Let's go. It's, they're what they're doing the future state stuff right now. Yeah. So it's even hard for me to uh, get into. I really liked Far Sector. Okay. That was a fun series because you don't need to know anything about Green Lantern. You don't need to know anything about any characters. But she's just a Green Lantern that's off like in the far sector hence the name mm-hmm. i really enjoyed that series i was um i was liking hawkman a lot yeah that was that good. was a that was good, good series yeah very un- very underrated no one talked about hawkman um was the there was another series that i really dug too and i'm sorry i'm looking at my books no, no um, that's okay just justice league was actually pretty solid the scott snyder stuff we still need a third deluxe edition but because I just read uh, Dark Metal, or, uh, yeah, Dark Metal. How was for, it? For the first, uh, confusing for somebody that hasn't kept up with what was going on after 
that was that was that was my problem with with Scott Snyder's Justice League. I was enjoying it because it kind of felt to me like the same sort of experience I got from Hickman Avengers, in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It felt like him trying to do that, and I didn't mind it. I'm like, okay, this is really big. This is really cosmic. I like this sort of stuff that I don't understand. I'm all for it. But then when it ended, the series ended with him basically saying, now you got to pick up my miniseries. I'm just like, oh, man, this is like what they did with Uncanny Avengers and you have to go read Access after. It's like, could you just give me give me a nice clean story and, and then if, you know, for bonus I can go here. But to, to leave that loose thread completely there it just irritated the hell out of me. Fun story though, I mean, if you, if you had the patience for it. It was a lot. Well, and the problem is, is that it's not collected very well it's collected in a series of deluxe editions it's collected and i'm talking about metal Uh, it's collected in in standard size hardcovers and then it's collected in trade paperbacks right right it's like if i had real bad ocd and didn't like reading and just collecting these things (laughs) it would be a nightmare it would be like one deluxe edition three little standard size hardcovers and then trade paperbacks for the rest of the event until we get to dark metal which is another deluxe edition so, yeah, and I remember Scott Snyder promising us a omnibus of DC Metal. Liar! Yeah. Or maybe it will come. So, okay, I want to ask you a this or that question when it comes to classic... Is this, is this, is this, is this which one do I like better? Again, yeah. you, you stumped me on that one, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is what another... This is... Uh, I think this is an age-old one. I think, and I probably know your answer, but you do have very diverse tastes, so it might surprise me. Um, okay. Avengers by Busick and Perez, mm-hmm. or Justice League by Morrison. Oh, um, Avengers, Busick and Perez. Yeah. yeah. Final answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, what? I I I. I it's perfect. It's it included the beauty of his run is that it's uninterrupted by events like um, unlike Morrison. Morrison unfortunately had to deal with things like Blue Superman, uh, Hippolyta mm. taking over the role of Wonder Woman, the, f- the 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 Black Flash taking over the role of Wally West as the Flash, um, mm. new. New Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, but that was really cool. But Morrison was always able to just roll with the punches. Phenomenal job. I don't think anybody could have done a job like that under those circumstances of all these things by editorial. Like, oh, yeah, you can't use classic Superman because he's blue lightning right now. Yeah. Sorry, Grant Morrison. <laughs> what? Like one issue um, to the next, pretty much. Yeah. Aquaman you know, dying off screen, like things like that. Busick came into this and Marvel was like, look, these characters have been gone for a year over with Rob Liefeld and uh, I believe Jeff Loeb, um, mm-hmm. Chap Yep. Those guys have been working on this. Bring, bring the glory days back and inter- do whatever you want to. I think the only mandated crossover things were like with Thunderbolts or, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, which, which, was his, was his universe kind of in a way. It was like he was yeah, in control of it, that. 100%. He was writing Iron Man at the time. Um, you know, Maximum Security was the only other one. But he was also behind a lot of that too. So 
he had free reign to recreate these characters, bring them back to the glory days, and he brought back every Avenger. And then he introduced new Avengers with not Bendis's new Avengers, but new people, a new roster with adding Justice and I'm sorry, did he go by Justice or Marvel Boy at the time? Think just. I think it was just Justice. Yeah, Justice and Firestar from the New Warriors, and I'm a New Warrior fan, so I was very happy with that. The addition of them bringing back Simon from the obscurity that wasn't really death. He was just a, what was he just some kind of power energy source? Uh, you know, making Wanda a, a wonderful character again, not just uh, a one dimensional sex bomb that she kind of became towards the end of Bob Harris's run, or I guess it was Terry Kavana that ended up finishing Avengers, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right before the jump to. Uh, Heroes Reborn, but I, I really enjoyed that run a lot. It's the Kang Dynasty. I know it went on forever. I don't care. It was perfection. Like it was thirteen issues, but I loved it. Yeah, there's there's that series. I've I um I feel it is the definitive superhero comic. The way it reads, the way it looks. When I close my eyes and I think of superheroes, I, I see George Perez drawing superheroes. All of them. Like, it's just... It's a, it's a classic look. Absolutely. Yeah. You're right. So everything about that book brings the... It's forward in Avengers history of what they add to to the team. And then it's nostalgic enough where it pays respects to, you know, what you feel was Roger Stern and Steve Englehart stuff where you it, it, yeah. like he gets the essence of that. And then you, you, you bring things, like you said, triathlon and all these different kind of ideas into the mix that mixes the team up a little bit. It, it was really good. I loved it. Yeah. And one of the things that he did was, you know, I, I think most comic book fans don't like the idea of retcons. Mm-hmm. But the retcons that he did in Avengers Forever mm. was perfection. Like, I don't think it gets better than that with the exception of... Uh, Untold Tales of Spider-Man. Okay. Now, those are retcons that actually work, and it felt like Kurt Busiek was a part of the writing staff during the days of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. Yeah. That's that's how far I'm going to take Untold Tales of Spider-Man. But what he did with... And, and I'm a guy that loves The Crossing. I know people hate it. I get it. Completely <laughs> understood. Understood. I'm not, I'm not here to argue why it sucks. <laughs> I get why people hate it. But I'm a guy that loves it. And the retcon that he did with that... Makes sense. The red the retcon that he did with Hank completely makes sense. All of it was great, man. And and that's that to me is the definition of a good retcon. It's like, all right, we're gonna fix a few tweaks. These characters were not acting like themselves. Maybe the writer, maybe the editor, somebody messed up. Let's 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 change it up a little bit, but keep moving. Um, keep moving. Keep keep the story moving forward. And that's what that uh, Avengers Forever did. Kind of wish sometimes they would do that with X-Men, but that's a whole different story. How are you enjoying the new era of X-Men, the Hickman era? I'm, I'm digging it. It's a lot of fun. It's different. It's it's the most different that it's ever been. Or uh, maybe maybe not to 12-year-old Omar. Those were the glory days to him. Hmm. But for 43-year-old Omar, it's a lot different than it's been in a long time. And that feels good. Yeah, it feels good. It's a, it's a good take on X-Men. It, they're going to have their ups and downs. You're going to be disappointed by the events. 
But like Ten of Swords, I thought was a lot of fun at first. I loved the idea of hunting for different swords and and then it went a way that I didn't expect it to go. And I still don't know how I feel about all that, but I'm really enjoying Teeny Howard's Excalibur finally grew on me after 16 issues. I was not a fan of that book at all, but it grew on me. Marauders is great. Hellions must be one of the most, that, that's the most fun I've had on a, in an X-Men book in a long time. All these obscure characters like Nanny and Orphan Maker just show up in that book and, and Sinister is written so well because he's like Kieran Gillen's Sinister, like mm. that version of Sinister. It's a lot of fun. X-Force was fun. Um, X-Men itself has the ups and downs. I'm curious to see how it's all mapped out because it's Jonathan Hickman. We know that it, he has a plan. So I wonder where it will all go with this Reign of X after Re- Reign of X is so over. Maybe we'll get the Fall of X or whatever they're going to end up calling it. But I'm on the fence. I really enjoyed uh, House of X and Powers of yeah. Ten. I-, I loved how it made me feel about X-Men to go at, to go back and it paid a, a certain level of respect in a way just by referencing things that you felt like oh that counted i i thought that you know that was a hated story perhaps and you go back and you're like oh man that, that i'm happy he he dropped that little gem because i i'm reading these things for the first time and suddenly caring about you know the history of cable where I was always told cable's a 90s character too many pockets rob Liefeld, not supposed to like it but this is a in, in my head, I'm like, I like this. This is really cool. This whole yeah. wacky history of the character. But I wouldn't have cared if I didn't read House of X. But after that, I've been on the fence. I wanted to see what the, the, cons- the, like the crowd consensus would be. Not the Rotten Tomatoes review, but what the audience review was going to be as well. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's hit and miss. I think some people are happy, but then, you know, people. Yeah, you, you, they don't have same, good same, same thing with Morrison. Oh, this is great. This is amazing. Uh, X-Men has never been this good. And then about two years later, I'm starting to miss classic villains. You know who I miss? I miss Apocalypse. Where's Apocalypse? He needs to come in. I'm tired of the X-Men like, having some like murder that they have to solve in the X-Mansion. This is an X-Men. You know how fans are. It's like we're used to a certain formula. And it sucks because... Eventually, we're, this is all going to go stale, and you're like, you know what I miss? I miss Professor X and the X-Men hanging out at the X-Mansion. Bring those days back. Every X-Fan goes through that. There's few X-Men fans that are like, you know what? I, whatever. I'm just going to go with it. Whatever whatever happens, I don't miss the glory days. But I think most of us get to that point of like, this is new. This is exciting. This is great. And then about two-year mark. It's called the, two year, the two-year itch. Right, you still you start wondering. You're like, man, kind of miss the classic stories where Apocalypse is getting beat up, and he's like coming after the X Men for absolutely no reason. <laughs> Instead of this Apocalypse, is wearing a suit and now living in another <laughs> island. What is what is this about? So, I, I I think I know the answer to this, but I'm guessing that you weren't a huge fan of the Brian Michael Bendis X Men era. <laughs> you just had to go there. Uh, no. No, I'll tell you the okay. Since I like to stay positive, I'll tell you the things that he did do though. Like bringing magic to the spotlight was a wonderful idea. Look how many magic fans are. There are magic memes everywhere. All these magic cosplayers. Mm-hmm. Now whether that has something to do with Chris uh, Bacalos, uh, is that how you say his last name? Is it Bacalo or Bacalo? I think I think people understand who you're talking about. <laughs> okay, whether it was his designs or whether it was Brian Michael Bendis's writing, doesn't matter. Bendis always has a way to bring these 
characters to light. He did the same thing with Sentry, uh, with Marvel Boy, when he was over at Avengers. And whether you like the depictions or not, that's not really the point. The point is that he was putting them in the spotlight, which is what he did in X-Men with uh, Magic. And that's one of the greatest things that he could have accomplished. And now Magic is a thing. Magic is part of the X-Men afterwards, no matter what. Yeah, sure, she's hanging out with the New Mutants, but she's also part of the X-Men. She plays a bigger role. She's more popular now than she's ever been. I mean, this is a character that stayed dead for how many years? What is that? 12, 13 something years and came back in the pages of New X-Men. But even in New X-Men, they not Morrison's New X-Men, but Colin oh, Yost's yeah. New X-Men. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't really know what to do with the character. So it wasn't until all new X-Men, or I'm sorry, Uncanny X-Men by Bendis that they were able to actually do something fun with her. Uh, but no, I was not a fan of his book. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, love I, I wish I could say, man, that was the greatest thing he ever wrote. But between that and Guardians of the Galaxy, I can't, I can't really say which one I hate the most. And that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and don't get me wrong. It wasn't like X-Men was phenomenal before Brian Michael Bendis was, uh, came on board. But he kind of just did his own thing. And he just... Those, the bringing in the five kids, the original five, to this timeline, and then just... He kind of left it. He really had no plan. There was no plan with that. He left it there for others to fix. And then, uh, the whole, what was it? Matthew Malloy, the, the, the last will and testament of Professor, and say, oh my gosh. I was like, this is eight issues and we're still reading the will? <laughs> What's this happening? Um, but there was some beautiful art in that run. And if there ever is an omnibus, you are damn right. I'm going to find that omnibus. <laughs> Yeah, you got Stuart Eminem, Chris Bacalo, yeah, uh, Fraser, Fraser Irving. You know, you have all these artists that worked on that title. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I'm not a fan of it, but if they ever make that, you better believe it. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna, I will get a Chuck Austin omnibus day one. I'll be the first one in line. I hate that. That, that to me is like the worst X Men run for a reason, and I will still get that omnibus <laughs> just for the completeness. It's yeah, it's X Men. How could I not? I pre-ordered a couple of uh, X Men. That are, that have been announced, I guess the Infernal Prologue and uh, I forgot the other one that I had that I had pre-ordered. Oh, the uh, Mutant Massacre, mm. and I want to get Infernal for completion's sake, but I almost prefer the Milestone trade paperback of it. The way it's collected, I feel like the whole story is there. Whereas in the Omnibus, I'd be getting all of, like the crossovers and all of those that I don't know if I'd care to read. It's kind of weird. Get the get the oversized hardcover. I'm sure it's cheap now, and that contains the the. What you don't, what you don't want is the companion, but you want the Inferno oversized hardcover. Get that. I don't. That way it looks I, I nice on think, your shelf. I don't think it, it's available anymore. I think it's out of print. Well, I know it's, I know it's not, but people that are wanting the omnibus yeah. are selling their copies. That's true. That's true. And it's a lot cheaper than it was before I announced it, or before it, like it was going for ridiculous amounts of money. But now it's, you know, you could probably find one pretty cheap. Yeah, I'll take say less than cover. I think cover was seventy five for that book. Yeah, I guess it's worth taking a look for it. So before we wrap up, I have one last question for you, a fun one. You're going on vacation. You've got a 10-day vacation with the family. Let's say like a beach house, very relaxing. What are you bringing with you to read? I always bring an omnibus with me, and I know people make fun of that idea because they're like, dude, you know we have digital tablets. I'm like, I don't care. I I bought – I spent a lot of money on these things. (laughs) They're going with me. 100%. Um, 
It depends on what I'm reading. Right now, it would be something X-Men because I'm going through the X-Men reading order on my channel. Um, maybe some manga. Uh, da, 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 da. I, re I just got in a couple of books from Kickstarter. I got Maddie. That looks awesome. I had no idea that David Bowie's son wrote that. Wow. So I'm in. Yeah. Very cool. So that definitely moved to the top of the list. Um, you know, I hadn't read a lot of the old Defender stories uh, hmm. in a long time. So I might take that omnibus with me and because I read them as essentials. I had the essentials of those and I got rid of all those a long time ago. But I'd probably take that with me. That would be one. And then um, finishing, I need to finish out the Swamp Thing. The new Fifty Two something, so the Charles Soul stuff. Yeah, probably get that. Okay, that's a good question. That's yeah, a good question. Man. I, I kind of it changes. It changes. That's it the will thing. Change. When when I have a trip coming up and I'm getting close, like two weeks within, I start pulling things off the shelf and like I have to start planning now because I'm gonna change it five times until you the will. trip comes. You will. So I always <laughs> love asking people, "What should I bring? What, what 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 would you bring if you were going somewhere? The weather's gonna be like this. It's gonna be this type of trip." So I love I love everyone's difference in answers, and it's uh, I think the the ultimate sort of geek question just to show people like you guys are not worrying about what books to bring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the book. There's going to be a beach. There's going to be drinking. Why are you worried about what to read? Yeah, because these things are important. Yeah, I I told this story just recently um, <laughs> about me reading this omnibus like I was flying back from I don't know it was a long flight it might have been actually it might have been from Toronto or Mexico so wherever I was working out of the country I come back and I had an omnibus with me and I could not get into business class the, the flight was sold out and I was not gonna miss my kids like another day so I'm like I'm, I'm flying back but I just remember <laughs> I was sitting in a middle seat and I had this giant omnibus I think it was uh the uh one of the Punisher omnibus and these both guys, like, <laughs> on the opposite side of me are completely uncomfortable watching this jerk just read this giant book. Like, I didn't care. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm going to read. Oh, like, yeah. It was it was night. I turned a light on. Both these guys were trying to sleep. Oh, I'm yeah. That guy. I'm the guy in the middle that's <laughs> reading a comic book in the most uncomfortable way you can read a comic book, too, in omnibus format. Man. Yeah, no, that would be me, too. 100%. Absolutely. Oh, man. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you come yeah, back absolutely. again soon. And all the yeah, best man. with the with the channel. I look forward to some of your, your more uh, – I look forward to your announcements. And any overviews that you've got coming up, I always tune in to check them out. So thank you, Omar. Uh, everybody you. tune in to Near Mint Condition for all comic book news and goodness and all your overviews and reviews that you want to know about books to buy. It's the most expensive channel I've ever watched, but it's worth <laughs> it because it will make you happy. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will be back soon. Omar, thank you again. Thank you, man.